Lose the Cape podcast, episode 118. Hello, everybody. It's just Alexa today. Um, I wanted to record a special message because October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And I was out of town at the Boss Mom Retreat for Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Day on October 15th. I had all of these grand plans of of going live or doing a special recording or something. But let me tell you, Dana had us jam-packed on our schedule. There was no time to do anything but the Boss Mom Retreat, which was amazing. And on another day at another time, I'd love to talk about it and everything that I learned and everything that happened to me. But today I want to keep this um, I want to keep this to the message at hand, which is for any mama who has lost a baby or lost an infant or experienced infertility, especially those who have experienced it recently, but for all mamas who have ever gone through this, this this episode is dedicated to you. For those of you who are new to the show or haven't been following long enough to hear me tell my story, I um, had two very healthy, normal pregnancies. And when we decided to have our third baby, we were shocked and surprised to find out that it was actually identical twins. I didn't know at the time how high of a risk twins in general and multiples in generals carried, but especially identicals because they share a placenta and they can wind up, in fact, uh, 20 to 25%, one in four or one in five, depending on the numbers that you look at, of identical twin pregnancies will result in a syndrome called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. This is when they don't share the placenta equally and one of them gets too much fluid and the other one does not get enough. It's 100% fatal if not treated, and um, the treatment options vary. Some have better results than others. So when we were 20 weeks pregnant with our twin girls, we found out that they did indeed have twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, and they were already stage 4, which basically means death is imminent for one or both babies. Our doctor told me at the time that they were both going to die that day, or not that day, but that they were. she told me that day that they were both going to die. Um, And thankfully, she was wrong, although it took a lot of effort on both my part and the baby's parts to keep them alive. For the period next 10 weeks or so, I was in and out of the hospital, had to have multiple fluid reductions um, where they would go in and withdraw amniotic fluid from the sac, trying to keep the babies as level as possible. And uh, the last time I was hospitalized, I was in for almost five weeks. I left at the time a son who was just four, had just turned four that April, so he was four and a half, I guess. And, or was he three and a half? I think he might have only been three and a half because my daughter was only one. So, um, yes, so I had left them at home and I was in the hospital for five weeks, which was really difficult in itself to be away from my little ones during that time frame and uh, made made that time in the hospital really miserable, uh, especially since I was pretty much had been told that I was just waiting for one or both babies to more than likely die. So it was a really, really rough time. Um, The babies were born 10 weeks early, and um, they were both born alive, although Catherine did have to be resuscitated. 
Um, but they were able to get her breathing and put her on a ventilator. And we had her for two days before she finally passed away. They just they tried everything they could to to fix her and to help her, but they could never really stabilize her. And eventually, at the two day point, they told us it was it was time to say goodbye, which was hands down the most difficult moment of my entire life. So uh, at that point, we still had a one pound, 10 ounce baby in the NICU fighting for her life. And um, it was really difficult for me to bond with her because I was terrified she was going to leave us too. Thankfully, this child is a fighter, like a fighter you have never seen before in your life. And she, against all odds, just kept, kept doing and kept surviving and gave us a couple good scares. Um but stuck with us. And after 12 weeks, 84 long days in the NICU, we were finally able to bring her home and try to get back to normal. But of course, returning from the NICU meant that now I was faced with the grief that I hadn't really dealt with at the time of our loss because I had another baby to try and take care of. So the next year was challenging. We had now a special needs baby with lots of appointments and therapies, every kind of therapy you can imagine. Um, she'd had to have surgery to place a tube in her belly because she wasn't drinking her milk from the bottle. So that was basically the way that we got to leave the hospital was by having a G-tube put in. Thankfully, she learned how to drink her bottle fairly quickly, and the doctor took removed the G-tube in what he said was record time. Um and, you know, we tried our best to get back to normal, but I wasn't normal and I needed an outlet. So I started blogging. I was afraid to um, post things under my real name. So I started blogging as Kat, K-A-T, Biggie, B-I-G-G-I-E. And that was for Catherine Bigwarf. Um, I started blogging, started telling people about twin to twin transfusion syndrome, and then started talking a lot about grief and how to help a family after they've lost a baby, how to support them, um, things that you can do, things that you can say, and things that you absolutely should never, ever say. And it was largely based on in response to the things that happened in our life and um, how people responded or did not respond to our loss. Um, I'm a super passive aggressive person, so I didn't want to blast these things on Facebook like some people do and instead I took to writing very long and detailed posts on things that were helpful and things that were not. Um, I was surprised with how these these blogs resonated with people and soon started receiving messages from mamas who said that they had felt so alone and then they found my blog and it really helped them and all these things. So I continued to blog. Um, at the time, obviously, I had three very small children, so my blog wasn't always about grief. In fact, when I first started it, the first image that I had um, was a picture of me and um, the three little kids and um, a, a picture of an angel baby looking down on us, and it was about um, learning to um, learning to survive loss and raise other children at the same time, and that's kind of the outlook that I took on it at the time. So I started doing some parenting things and kind of fell into the parenting blogger realm for a while. So I was straddling a couple different um, places. But 
which is kind of how Lose the Cape started because I met Carrie and the two of us had very common backgrounds and how and things that even though we do things very differently, we agreed on the whole concept that parenting is hard enough as it is without feeling like you're in competition with other mothers and that we should support each other and um, and and encourage moms as they make different decisions in their journey as moms, right? So Anyway, um, fast forward to the time when my babies were 18 months old. The survivor was 18 months old. A friend of mine delivered a baby at 37 weeks stillborn. And to say I had PTSD is uh, is an understatement. But I, more than anything, um, found that what I wanted more than anything in the world was to help her realize as I looked into her eyes and saw that shock and that grief and that expression on her face that I remembered too well, too well as how is this happening? Why is this happening? I am never going to live past this. I wanted to I wanted to just transport her to where I was to a place in time when life would be easier and life would be better for her and that she would be able to smile again and realize that that was the worst awful moment in her life but she will get past it. And I was talking to some of our other friends at the church in our in our church group and several of the other mothers had lost either pregnancies or infants. And as we started talking about how we could help our friend in this time, the idea for Sunshine After the Storm was born. And I started writing Sunshine After the Storm, a survival guide for the grieving mother. I reached out to over 30 other moms, bloggers, writers, local community uh, people who I knew were active in the grief community and asked them if they would contribute to it. And we put together this survival guide for grieving mothers. So that's when my publishing journey began. Uh, then Carrie and I would go on to write Lose the Cape, Realities of Busy Modern Moms and Strategies to Survive. And shortly after that, the website and the podcast would be born. And it's funny how all of those things completely and 100% directly came from the fact that I lost my baby girl. And so now when people talk to me about my loss, I am able to much more clearly say it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I wish it had never happened to me, but I have been able to do so much good from it. And I think sometimes we lose sight of what we can do and what we're able to do after a tragedy strikes us in our lives, we can either choose to lie down and roll over, which to be honest, I did for a while. And I think everybody who goes through an event like that needs to do for a while. Or we can choose to take it and do something with it. And that's what I chose to do. I chose to be a champion for grieving moms. I chose to write a book that we would donate hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of copies to grieving mothers, to bereavement organizations, to hospitals, to whomever needed them, to ceremonies for grieving parents, for all of these things. I wanted that book to be in the hands of as many moms as possible. 
And then I went on to help other mothers who had gone through significant losses publish their books to help other grieving parents as well. Um, Natalie Himarix from the Grieving Parents Network, Surviving Loss as a Couple. I helped her prepare that one and get it published. Um, Navigating the Unknown by Amy Lands, published that one through Cat Biggie Press, and other amazing books to come that are going to help parents who have gone through this. So, yeah, I've just spent 10 minutes telling you about my story and sharing with you how I got to be where I got today. But now I want to talk to you. And I I was asked to speak at a, at a pregnancy and infant loss remembrance ceremony yesterday here in South Carolina. I was honored to do so. I did not make it through without crying multiple times, which is crazy to me because I've told our story hundreds of times. And most times I can do it without crying or yawning. <laughs> but yesterday... Just looking at these women, some of them that I knew had lost a baby recently, I just couldn't contain my sadness for them. And I think a lot of people get confused because they see me trying to help women and they assume that I'm still stuck in a place of grief. I'm stuck in a place of empathy. I remember I'm not still there. I've I've learned how to live my life and how to find the joy again. And all I want in the entire world is to help other grieving mamas find the joy as well. But in order to do that, I have to be around mothers who have just recently lost. And I have to remember their pain and I have to feel their pain so that I can do what I can to help them. And sometimes that's really hard. But the message that I want to share with any of you who may have recently lost a baby or lost one a year or two, five years ago. Heck, I've talked to moms who've lost their babies 40 years ago and still are still dealing with that loss. It's hard. It stays with us forever. We know as mamas that from the moment we see that stupid plus sign on the pee stick, we've got the rest of their lives planned out. So it doesn't matter whether the baby is lost A week later, or 15 years later, or 27 years later, they're our baby, and that's not something you ever just get over. If you've never experienced this kind of loss and you're trying to understand someone who's going through it, and I'll be honest, I get that. My sister-in-law had a miscarriage at about the 17-week point, um, a few years, two years, I believe, before we lost our daughter, and I felt sad for her but I did not get it. I did not understand at all until I had gone through my own situation and really realized how traumatic that was for her and 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 really, really understood the loss that she experienced. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, and it's hard not to talk about loss without getting really sad. And um, I want you to know that 18 to 24 months is the normal heavy grieving period. So if you are trying to support someone who's lost a baby and it's not been two years, they are not weird. They are not abnormal. They are not attention seekers. They are grieving in a very normal way. 
Now, past the 18 to 24 month period, if they can still not pull themselves out of the fog and start to move forward, please help them get help. Because at that point in time, it's 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 no good. They're beyond the point where they should need to still be that lost and they need help. Um, I've been very open and honest about the fact that I asked for both for medical help. I asked for an antidepressant after I lost my daughter. I just knew I was going to need extra help and it's the best thing that I ever did. And I was on medication for several years before I finally decided I was ready, ready to face the world again. It didn't, you know, do anything crazy to me. It just kind of, just kind of took the edge off so that I could focus. And I had a newborn with special needs and two other small children that needed me. I needed, the, the fog of grief was bad enough. I needed some help managing the other element of it. So that's what I want you to know is to give yourself grace 18 to 24 months. And you know what? If you're not severely grieving, that's okay too. People handle things in different ways. People, I, I know some people that hardly shed a tear and other people that could hardly control themselves with almost identical situations. We all process differently and we all grieve differently and that's okay. So what I talked about yesterday at the speech that I gave was being able to find the joy again. And I think that it's really important that you choose to find happiness again. And it is your choice. And it's hard at the beginning when you're not ready to feel happy again. It's very hard. But there are a lot of things that you can do to help yourself get there. That's to surround yourself by the right people. Be around people who love you, who are willing to listen to you, who honor and remember that baby, but also know that you need to take care of you. Find things that make you feel good every day. For me, it was silly small things like wearing something sparkly or painting my fingernails or putting on some pretty jamberry wraps or doing something, putting on my makeup or getting my hair done or something that made me feel good as a person. And I mean, simple small things, maybe wearing a shiny pin. I wore I wore these like big flower clips in my hair for years. I still wear them on special occasions, but that was kind of my thing. It was like I had this horrible thing happen to me and I wanted to do something that just made me feel like I stood out or I don't even know what it was, but I loved these big flower clips in my hair and that helped me. And as silly as that sounds, sometimes it's something so small like sparkly nails or a flower in your hair or fresh flowers on your table or something that can make a difference. Learn how to laugh. Find the funny. Oh my gosh, laughter through tears is truly the best emotion I have ever experienced. And it is so true that laughter can heal in ways that almost nothing else can. I am lucky to be the type of person who loves to laugh anyway. And um, there are times when it's appropriate and times when it's not. But for the most part, if you can do something to make yourself laugh or be around people that make you laugh, it will help you. Find the people that will listen to you. Find your support group. Find people who are trying to move ahead but also need support as they move through the grief. You need, you need to find your group of people who understand what you've been through 
And there are lots of Grieving Mother forums and um, groups on Facebook that you can join. I would warn you, though, if you get in a place in a group that is people largely talking about bitterness and hatred towards pregnant women and hatred towards somebody who said they were sorry when how dare that person tell me they're sorry and things like this, that's probably not helpful. I was in a couple groups like that and I had to leave because I didn't want dark and ugly. Our our raw emotion was dark and ugly enough. We didn't need to be even worse. It's not other people's fault what happened to you. You can't blame them. And one thing that I have really learned is that people don't know what to say and do. So often they either say something silly when they're trying desperately to find something comforting to say, or they don't say anything at all because they're afraid to remind you as if we could ever forget, right? That's why it's so important to educate people. Um, so anyway, Find the things that make you feel good. Find the things that bring you light and joy. Honor your baby. Do things to make a legacy for them. Plant a tree. Um, sponsor a garden. Um, uh, sponsor a bench or people are always selling bricks as they're building things and doing things where you can put something with your baby's name on it. Name your baby if you haven't named your baby and and buy something with their name on it. Now, all, not all of these ideas will work for everybody. These are things that work for me and, and people that I know, but you have to find your own thing. Maybe it's um, starting an annual run in, in their memory to raise money for whatever syndrome or um, SIDS awareness or whatever it was that, that, that took your baby from you. Uh, maybe you start a nonprofit like I did that sends care packages to grieving parents. Maybe you write a book. Uh, I'm telling you, writing is such a healing process for anybody who's been through a major grief situation. But find something to pour your energy into and to give you meaning to make your child's life meaningful. In December, we'll celebrate Catherine Day 2017. This will be our fifth Catherine Day. And on this day, we ask people to do random acts of kindness. It doesn't have to be anything to do with infant loss or grief or anything. We just ask people to do a random act of kindness to a stranger and to post about Catherine Day 2017 and invite other people to do random acts of kindness too. I want my baby girl's legacy to be one of beauty. And it helps me and can bring you joy too to do that for your baby. At the end of the day, this is quite possibly the worst thing that will have ever happened to you. And I pray it's only happened to you once. I know there are some mamas out there that have had multiple losses and multiple heartbreaks. And for you, my heart just overflows. And I'm sending you a huge hug. And I want you to know that you're not alone ever. You always have us. You always have the other moms who have been there. We will always hold you and always remember your baby or babies with you. And I hope that you will open your heart to finding the happy and finding the joy again. 
Life is so much better when your heart can smile. And just because you're happy does not mean you're letting go. Catherine will be with me every day, always. But I can still move forward and I can be happy and I can do good for her and in her memory. And so can you. So can you. You are loved. Your baby is loved. Your baby will never be forgotten. And you are not alone. Now I want you to go find something really silly that makes you laugh. Go just find the funny. Because in laughter, (laughs) there is hope and happiness. And you will find your joy again.